This is Stephen Dominguez of the Pure BS Podcast and the Science Faction Podcast. You're listening to the BS Podcast Network. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond is a familiar dimension. Not one of sight, but a dimension of sound and of the creative mind. You're moving into a land of artistic buffs talking Disney stuff. You've just crossed over into Magic Our Way. New Orleans, present day, amid the ever-changing landscape of the Disney fan life, two men, a musician and a visual artist, tackle the news, the rumors, and the dreamings of the day. Now joined by a comic book writer and a travel agent, they will bring you new insights and tease out new thoughts of the films, the parks, and the community at large. Tonight's episode will take you beyond the formats of most podcasts and calls upon the listener. This, you may soon realize, is a listener-driven podcast, heavily influenced by its Moican nation waiting for you. They invite you, if you'd care, to reach out via social media, email, text, or voicemail. So let's go make some magic. Jumbo, everyone, and Harambe. Jumbo, everyone. Harambe. And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way, Way podcast. podcast. Asante Sun, everyone. You are listening to the Magic Our Way podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are artistic buffs talking about Disney stuff, and this is the show in which every opinion is welcome. My name is Kevin. I'm Danny. And with us today, we have... Excelsior! You know, 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 you know. I have the power! You know the story's all about the glory. It is our resident comic genius from ivorycomics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. You know what time it is. It's time to open up that episode door so we can give the more weekend universe just one bow. How y'all doing? <laughs> Came equipped with a rap this time. I had to. I had to. I had to. You hey. brought it? I I brought it. I could bring some more. Oh, it's already been. It's been oh. brought in? Oh, it's brought? all. Game yeah. on. Game, Game on. on. Game on. Shemo? Shemo. It's Shemo. been delivered by the milkman. Oh. <laughs> Where you at? Signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> in my pants. In my pants. <laughs> yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh, wait. We do have a YouTube channel. Make sure you check out our latest uh, video that came out this week, or last week, actually, called In My Pants. <laughs> <laughs> coming from show number 199 uh, one of our most more popular songs for classic sure. it's classic, a classic and we put it to video and i'm sure you'll enjoy that nice little uh, uh clip at work and guys also on the show who also happens to be in my pants is this guy here <laughs> show me the money here comes the money here we go money talk here comes the money hey, must be the money show me the it's Mr. I Know More Than Your Friends, Suck It Up, Tough Love, and Ever So Lovely, Travel Age for Magical Moments, Vacations, Mosquito Killing, Date Night at Denny's, Benjo Over the Chair, Lily Top, Mocking Beard, Creepy Drippy Dwarf, Lee Earp. 
It's Mr. Beijing Chloe, Senior Johnny Salami L. Tightwad himself. He's our very own Gandalf, the not so wise, and our resident professor of gyrotechnics, Lillian's favorite Mohican podcaster. It's Lee DJ White Cheddar Papa's Furfa No Hassle Vika. How you doing, Lee? Oh, fantastic, man. Long, long week. It's a uh... long, long nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's always hard coming back from vacation man you know that first week back on vacation is just like hard but yeah yeah the numbers get harder as you count them (laughs) you have to do like double digits and everything the first week back it's really draining right really though i mean it's like you forgot how to count like (laughs) i'm like uh, how do I do this again? Brushing up on Sesame Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big Bird, say that number one more time, too. All right. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Grover, would you call me? <laughs> so, good to be back, though. Back hey. in the swing of things. All right. All right. Getting it done. Huh? Have you back. Working on that goal. Yes, Coming to the stage. Yeah. Lee, Lee, top. Lee, Lee, topless. <laughs> no, no one's paying for that. You never know. You, you, you never know. There's a strange crowd out there. Yeah. <laughs> Different strokes for different folks. There There's go. a kink for everybody, man, and you, you may go. just be that it. There you go. We got that old That's picture right. you had when you was outside, boy. Show them what you got. Show them guns are blazing out there. Boom, boom. Be like, shake that money maker, Lee. There he is. He's going to jiggle his beard. That's right. You ordered that love, Lee Lastavica. You all ordered that love. All the elves just start coming running. <laughs> kind of like Frozen and their rocks. <laughs> Stop Guys, we guarantee you. this is a Disney podcast. <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. If you want to learn more about us, magicourway.com is where you can find all our website stuff and our social media stuff, so definitely follow us today. Uh, and today we have a very interesting show for you. The title of the show, most more or less, is, uh, is Would You Replace Expedition Everest with Something Tied to an IP? And this happens to be tied to an article that came out recently that brought the Disney fan universe aflame. <laughs> and something that Iger had said regarding uh, IP-related attractions versus nondescript things, as he says, quote-unquote. Doesn't take much to get the Disney fan community inflamed, does it? No, no it does not. No, they have tux pads for that, I think, right? <laughs> it cools it off. Preparation H kind of cools it off, too. And they're Mickey-shaped. And they're <laughs> yeah. it's like the prices they don't voice out too much it's like you get a few comments but yeah you put out the wrong set of words in an article that's your ass like, bam it's crazy oh, it's yeah. like, bam emerald about to cook that You're done torches and pitchforks all of them that's right yes. handed out it's like that scene from beauty and the beast yeah <laughs> lock, lock him the beast. up lock him up like, damn dude he's just talking dang i like how you, you uh, eli's shirt right over there i like how he came dressed for the occasion he yeah. did he did he I, is actually wearing an expedition ever shirt yes i wanted to feel the vibe we're universe now so it's like you know you uh, want the Everest thing happen. Yeah. You got Everest on your back and you got the Yeti not moving on the front of your shirt. On his face, yeah. neck, and chest? On yeah. his face, neck, and chest. Yeah, it's, this one moves more than the actual one. That's, That's right. That's the crazy part. Especially when you dance and shake that money maker. Watch me now. Chocolate milk. All right, Watch so yourself. now it makes two of them that have been dancing and we're not even done with the intro. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> Shaking their money maker. <laughs> Gotta get paid, man. So guys, enough of our dancing. Let's go make some jibba jabba. All right, here we are on the hub, and as I mentioned at the top of the show in our intros, uh, we are talking about IP versus nondescript things, quote-unquote, as Iger had said, uh, referring to this Barron's article that got the Disney fan uh, universe, fan universe in an uproar as of this past week. 
And today, Eli's kind of building a sh- his show around this particular idea. So I'm going to toss it off to Eli. To Go toss Eli off. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Thank you. I was, I'm so relieved. That was now. a serve. I was hoping somebody would hit it. <laughs> hit it and quit. You know, Ooh, I need a cigarette. Hit it and quit. So I'm going to toss it to Eli to give us the rundown of what we're doing today on his Eli Avery's show. Yes. Uh, no tangent in this one, folks. I'm sorry. Maybe what? Uh, yeah. uh, no. Uh, gotta, gotta keep it straight. Gotta keep it straight. Don't worry. No tangents are coming. It's a long year. It's going to happen. Most listeners probably just think that it's, you just go on tangents. Yeah. Those tangents take a lot of thought and a lot of planning. They do. Because there's a lot of things I want to share. And then like I just try to compile it all into one episode and you know it drives people nuts and that's what i that's what i like to do and eli does have the ability to focus and he's about to throw it upon you your face neck and chest right here bam sploosh so here's here's the thing right sploosh <laughs> sploosh. sploosh so that's yeah comic effect so bluey 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 yes i i happen to read this is pretty much the origin of how i started yeah i i read the Bob Iger article, and I thought it was going to have some stuff about what Bob Iger article might that be, sir? Oh, yeah, uh, yes, sir. It is the one that he did with Barons when they just kind of wanted to interview him for like a day in the life of a big shot. Aha! Uh-huh. And so he pretty much goes into like this. Uh, the thought of it is a, is a cool article, but then like when you actually read it, it's like, man, come on, I wanted a little more meat on that bone, you know? It wasn't too much. But here's the thing. He kind of talks about the streaming service and more reboots and DOS boots and all that good boots. DOS boots? Yeah. Are you, so you're saying Bob's Bone wasn't satisfying? No, it was not. <laughs> the rise of Bob's Bone. <laughs> yeah. It was not. I think I think the, the traumatizing <laughs> interview I had with him was a lot more interesting than the article he had with uh, this Barron's article. But one of the things that he mentioned, they asked him about what rides do you like? And he pretty much said, I like all of the various IP rides. I don't want a non-descriptive ride that's from India or something. You know, Mm -hmm. just to kind of paraphrase it. And that kind of set off the Disney fan community on Twitter. They, you know, they blew it up. And then Joe Rody jumped in. Boom. Yeah. You know, Joe Rody came in there. He's like, how did, you know, like, what are you doing? And Bob, to his credit, Said, hey, I love Expedition Everest because that's what they were inferring to. Nah, bro, you got it all wrong, bro. What, bro? Nah, bro. I, 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 I like I like Expedition Everest, bro. Why, bro? I can tell because, but the popularity, you know, that's not nondescript. I mean, nondescript is Indian. It's gotta be Everest, bro. Let me define nondescript for you. <laughs> Definition <laughs> one of nondescript says belonging or appearing to belong to no particular class or kind, not easily described. Definition number two, lacking a distinction or interesting qualities, dull, drab synonyms. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it was just something that could have been taken out of context and he apologized for it. But I was like, hey, you know what? That's an interesting thought uh, to me because he talked about the IP property just in the parks in general. And he's doing the synergy with the Marvel movies and, you know, just, you know, Pandora, as we can see. So I, I, I think he's even like you said, with the streaming, there's no telling what he's planning to do with that. But just the fact that that thought being so out there or abstract causes that reaction just made me think well hey you know expedition everest has been uh the yeti's been broken for a while but still dancing but (laughs) would there possibly be a reason to replace this with an ip property and that's yes that's where we're going here today (laughs) 
I got the perfect idea for it. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you believe there is a reason to replace the Yeti? No, there's no reason to replace the Yeti. No, 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 no. But if you had to. Uh, if you had to. I mean, now, had we're not saying he definitely said that in the article. I just kind of, you know, went on the on spin with yeah, it because it, yeah. it terrified these people and we don't know what he has planned. All right. I, here's what you got. So the stuff, doesn't, <laughs> stuff doesn't even have to move, right? So the Yeti doesn't have to move. Yes. It's but part of the structure. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's part of the structure. But we will get rid of the Yeti for my, re- my reboot. You ha- yeah. So we're going to do Indiana Jones. Cracking up. I can't wait to hear this. Well, I don't I'm know. Worried. It's funny to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, just a visual for my sake. But, you know, we're going to do Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh. Oh. So like Amolaram, Solaram kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like Expedition Everest is now Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Broke Yeti Mountain. <laughs> Broke Yeti Mountain. No rising in Yeti. Broke ass mountain. <laughs> no, but it's like instead of the Yeti, we're going to have a heart, you know? So, a uh, heart? Yes. Yeah, so oh, have in a the heart. place? Yeah. Oh, wow. Heart. A, big, a big old heart. When you go into the mountain, where you usually see the Yeti, all kind of crazy things happen. You see little kids going, Mola Rum, Sola Rum, whoo, you know, and then you speak to see this big throbbing heart. And then, as you, for the two seconds you go through that thing, it bursts into flames, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right in front of the people, right, right in front right of the right people, yes, and you shoot out of it. <laughs> oh my God. The, and, and the heart doesn't even have to move, it just got to sit there and throb and burst into flames. That's it. Hearts on fire. That's what you That's your idea for the big remake. Damn. That's it, yeah. You know, and as you're walking through the queue, you can have the, you know, oh, that, 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 you know, the whole, the whole club scene, you know, and then as you're walking behind a gong, you know, somebody shoots you with a Tommy gun. And then you, you quickly dash into a roller coaster and take off, and then, you know, you run into Molarum and, uh, Short rounds yeah. driving the the carts so and stuff. So what's swooping down at you to try and grab you? Oh, there's nothing. No, there's just nothing. a big. It's a big throbbing. Just a <laughs> big, th- big heart, huh? There's a big throbbing heart. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> freaky. So there's a big throbbing heart on the mountain. Yes, so in the mountain. There's, there's a heart on the mountain. Yeah. So as you're approaching the climb hill to get into the throbbing heart, and you just hear it beating, kind of like haunted mansion style. Listeners, Go-do- this is what's in Kevin's head. This wow. is why you never know where Kevin's gonna go. Mola Ram, Sula Ram. Riders, watch out you for the Shiva. You betrayed Shiva. That vehicle's dangerous. What I feel bad for in this in this situation is gonna be all the ten uh, year old <laughs> cast members that have to hire to be you know work slaves in this in this attraction. That's gonna be. That's gonna oh, they're gonna wear the outfit. Yeah, that's gonna present some difficulties. They'll just use small world dolls. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, be, okay, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small world dolls with no clothes and. What about like like instead of like uh, expedition Everest, like I don't know, like expedition hugging, and like you're escaping John Lasser's hugs. Hands <laughs> 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 a big hand. <laughs> John's trying to give you one big hug, and you just barely squeeze by. I just want to love you. That's it. <laughs> just want to say good job. That's all. I don't like you that way. I mean, you probably can't use John, but maybe you can use lots of hugging bear. Or <laughs> lots of hugging <laughs> John, lots of hugging Lassiter. Lots of hugging Lassiter. Oh, like man. It. He thanks you while you're in the queue for loving all of his movies. I it, just want to be show better you. than retheming it after, like, which mountain or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's. I think that. Do you. Okay, so you say. Overall, do you? Because it's like the fact that no, the, you don't. It's a stupid question. <laughs> Not retheme Expedition Everest. But it's like, when are they gonna fix the Yeti? You know what I mean? Like, when are they gonna not. fix it? They're not Why gonna fix it, right? They can't. They can't every, fix I it. Mean, the thing fills up every day. You know, it's not like it's uh, you know one of the bottom attractions to where they're like, oh well, no one wants to ride this because the Yeti doesn't work. People are pouring in every day to ride it, and they're going to keep doing it. And so why would you? Why would you tear it down 
Because that's basically what's going to happen. They got to they got to redo the whole thing. But meanwhile, so to, to get back to the heart of what this not the a big, big throbbing. throbbing heart. Heart. <laughs> What's your ventricle in D? You betrayed Shiva. No, no, this isn't big and throbbing. This is just the heart of what Eli was talking about. Uh, the gist. Yes. Uh, the so gist. What he said was that he doesn't like having coasters that are nondescript. You know, he, he didn't like it. And he made the term like some nondescript coaster theme like India or something. And so people automatically took that to mean that he was talking about Expedition Everest. Now, Bob went on Twitter and said, I love Expedition Everest. It's great. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And I don't know if y'all saw the joke post that he did about Captain Marvel that kind of played off of this. Yeah. Ali, you saw it? Yeah. What did he say? They're going to make like 50 different Captain Marvel right, attractions. Way, I love Captain Marvel. We're going to make 100,000 attractions of Captain Marvel and everything. Like having fun with this a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So One for of- each character's name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> a bunch of characters that go with their title. Yeah. So he was kind of mocking it a bit. I, you know, look, Bob, say what you will about him. What I don't like about Bob is probably his best quality, which is he's a businessman and he's very smart. He's very savvy. But, you know, I don't I just don't like the fact that he milks the Disney consumer for every last dime. I don't like the fact that he monetizes stuff that never used to be never used to cost you any money before. I don't like all those things about him. But I mean, this is one thing you can say about Bob Iger. He plays it safe when it comes to picking the next new video. I mean, he buys only established properties. You know, Star Wars, you know, uh, Avatar, Marvel, exactly. He's buying stuff that he he thinks, okay, this has performed well, so we're going to invest in this. When we open up something, we're only going to open up something that is tied to an existing successful property. So when you've got a guy like Bob Iger who likes to play it safe, he's not going to fix what isn't broken, let alone fix what actually is broken with the Yeti. I mean, he's going to leave it alone. But that's what's so crazy about it is that I get it. The ride system, it's like as far as the track and whatnot, I get it. It works. It's still a thrilling ride. But to me, it's like, well, the Yeti is a huge part of it because, you know, like you're at the top and the Yeti's there. You're like, whoa, that freaks you out. But it kind of now it loses that impact because there's no Yeti that's there that's working but you're zipping by it so fast most people don't notice it i mean most people unless you're a disney fanatic and you know the thing isn't on right that, that's really the thing right yeah you've really got less than two seconds to register what you're seeing remember when it was working though well yeah i was just about to say you know what i don't because i never got to ride it when it was working you no, know we wrote it when it was working a long time ago i'm I did. pretty I did. sure we wrote it when it was yeah but it's we like, did it's, it's, i'd have to actually go back and look at the dates because the, you know, again, you ride by there so fast, you can swear there's nothing wrong with it. No, because in the, when it worked, you would ride it, and then it would, like, kind of, like, you the know, arm would, I, I remember an arm swooping Yeah, and, it, and then, like, it, you know, it'd pop out. And See, I never had that experience, so I, I don't even know I don't what know that's like. popping. I don't remember what? popping out. I remember well, it, being it, there. You know what I'm saying? You would see this presence. He was popping and locking. Yeah. <laughs> he was breakdance. It was like beach street. Was he dabbing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, had his, he had both hands out doing yeah. this thing. You know, I, but I, I guess it's just the thing of, that's why I kind of resonated to be with this and bringing it forth to you guys is that the ride works. Yes. But there's still a piece of it that does it. But it's a problem that most people don't notice. But they should because it's part of the ride. You know? It's like if the if the duck butt was supposed to move and it didn't, you would still go to see Philhar Magic. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's still, and yeah. again, they're packing them in. 
You know, I mean, no one's not riding this ride because, oh, I'm not going to ride the Everest because it, the Yeti doesn't work. It's still a great ride. It's still a great queue. It's still the second best ride in the park. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 there. it's no doubt it's something, which is more reason to work on that, that, that aspect. Why? It's because the an ancillary aspect of the attraction. I, I, I get it. The whole thing builds toward an encounter with the Yeti. You see the Yeti. Now, the fact that the Yeti isn't moving and they got the strobe light on him to make it appear as though he's moving, it's not something that I, I think most people would really be like, oh my God, that just completely killed my experience on this attraction. I just don't think most people do that. I think you're focusing on the wrong aspect of what he's saying here. I think you're, you're still fixating on whether or not they should fix the Yeti. Clearly, I think they should. I, everyone thinks they should fix the Yeti. Who okay, doesn't think well, that they should they, fix the Yeti? Because it's part of the ride. Well, right, but... But there again, people are not stopping going on the ride because Lee just said it. It, it. The ride works. But I don't think that's what's fascinating about this article. What's fascinating about the article is that Bob seems to think that unless an attraction is tied into an existing successful IP, it's not worth doing. And that's, you know, and I think that's what got a lot of Disney fans in up because they see exactly. what's coming down the pipe. And that's all that's being built. I mean, that's the, what was it? I guess Expedition Everest was the last thing to be built. That wasn't based on an IP, right? I think it, oh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Like maybe Mystic Manor. Oh, uh, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe uh, right, yeah. But beyond that, uh, I can't think of anything off Bart the top Stormer? of my head. Was that based on an IP? Goofy, and that was later. Uh, you know, again, uh, yeah, because that, that was uh, redone as a great goof. Goofatini? 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 Yeah. I don't remember what the hell it was called. But I mean, something like that. Yeah. Um, Great Santini. <laughs> the Santino Morales. <laughs> they killed my son. They killed my baby boy. And they come back. Coming back from Santini. Nam. Coming back from Nam to get Pluto. They killed my little boy. Yeah. But you know, there's uh, two other mountains that aren't based on IPs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of did want to discuss that uh, since we were talking about Expedition Everest as well as the article and everything else. And I kind of wanted to examine this uh, and see what makes those mountains work, okay? So, uh, just starting with Space Mountain, a very popular ride, very classic attraction. Mm -hmm. Why does that still work not based on IP? Well, I mean, everybody's still infatuated with space. Yes. So, that gives them something to relate to, right? Well, it has IP. And it has classic value as well. It, yes. It, it has IP. And it, it doesn't have what we would... Or what they would consider. Well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah yes. that's, that's, that's a better way to put it. Yeah, it's not yeah, based absolutely. on the Jetsons yes. or something. But like, it yeah. does have IP. It's just it's it's uh, undefined IP. Like it's like giving credit to Haunted Mansion. Like Haunted Mansion doesn't have any IP. Well, yeah, it does. Ghosts have been around long before. Right. There was a Haunted Mansion. The idea of a haunted house was not anything new. Right. It wasn't that they. Disney created the idea of what is a haunted house. They just did the Disney version of it. Same thing with pirates. Pirates have been around forever. Every, I mean, who, who was a kid didn't grow up with stories of, you know, Cowboys, Black Bart, Black Beard, yes. uh, John Lafitte, mm -hmm. uh, who didn't know about that kind of thing. I mean, hell, even when they were making it, it was going to be a walkthrough wax attraction based upon real pirates. So, yes, space travel is just another one of those things. Yes, yeah. yeah I was it's, about to say, mention that, yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, okay. no, no. I was, I was just about to agree with it. Yeah, so space would be the, uh, uh, how do you term it, um, on undefined ip or whatever unspecified it's like it's more like yeah um it is an ip but it's not um 
it's a, like a genre it's not almost. Owned by Dis- it's not owned by Disney. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, Disney it's does not own space. Non-specific IP. It, yeah. it, it's, yes. it's more of a storytelling theme. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's that an exploration It's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. So sure. that's... Uh, okay. So it's Bigfoot, though, but, you know, nobody's fixing it yet. That's well, that, all, yeah. But, you know, about the thing, like, you know, people talking about, oh, should we take the, you know, retheme it? People don't realize the Yeti has been around for... Almost a century before Mickey Mouse ever came around. Yeah, it's the abominable snowman. The Yeti isn't of itself an IP. Yeah. It's not an ice chest. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. The, like, if I did an attraction based upon the Loch Ness Monster, that automatically resonates into the public consciousness. They know what the Loch Ness Monster is. Yes. Doesn't mean I've made a film about him. Doesn't mean that there's an existing image in your head. That's what Disney uh, used to do to an extent that I do miss. Well, let's uh, well let's take it to another mountain. So Big Thunder Mountain's the other one without. Oh, you missed uh, Disney owned IP. Right? You missed a third one. Third mountain. Third mountain. Matterhorn. Oh, the mountain. Yeah, Matterhorn. First mountain. <laughs> First <laughs> mountain. Yes. Third man on the mountain. Actually, is what it was. Yes, based. yes, yes. Third Sermon, on on the mountain. Mountain. Sermon on the mountain. Sermon on the mountain. Preacher yeah, uh, in, Disney, in Walt Disney World. I mean, let's say Magic Kingdom. We'll say okay. Big Thunder. Uh, Big Thunder Mountain. But there again, that that's, that's existing IP that they borrow. Like in a, there again, we're, they weren't the first one to do like a runaway minecart attraction. Right. I, I want to say Six Flags did it. I mean, shoot, I, I watched Scooby Doo. You remember the Miner Forty Nine er chasing yeah. them all around the minecart, yeah. running around through the mine. Mm-hmm. Hell, Batman was with Scooby Doo on the minecart at one point. <laughs> exactly. It's not necessarily a new concept. It's just here's Disney doing it in their Disney way, and that's what I miss Disney doing. It's saying, here's a familiar concept. Everybody knows it. As soon as we say it, they're going to be like, oh, shoot, that's like a ghost house. That's a runaway mine train. That's, you know, and and let's see Disney's version of it because we all know it's going to be safe enough for little Jimmy and right. yet not kill Grandma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill Grandma unless you put on the monorail in the scooter. So right. the distinction, I think, and, and you know, I was going to say Splash Mountain, we know what Splash Mountain's all about. Yeah. Um, th- uh, Matterhorn, yeah. You know, third Mountain on a Mountain, we know right. what that's all about. So the distinction that the Disney fan, I think, has to make is the difference between what may, we could probably call public domain IP. Yes. Uh, versus Disney owned IP. And I guess what the Disney the typical Disney fan is worried about is the conversion of everything to a Disney owned property versus what you say the public domain IP. Think about it. Every single thing that Disney is known for is public domain IP. And you know Bob and them they get a lot of trouble and then a lot of uh current Disney fans give them uh, and trust me I got no problem with give, giving Bob Iger grief these days but Don't I piss mean, him off, dude. Don't piss him you off. You just raise your prices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Walt Disney was a, a risk taker, no doubt about it, but when it came to choosing stories, he made sure the vast majority of the stories he chose were all based upon existing properties that were well-known, popularized characters and storylines within the public consciousness. And he was, was a really good storyteller. Yes, and he was. Now, he put his yes. Disney spin on yes. it. But he made sure when you heard this story is the story of Sleeping Beauty, most people had an idea in their head what that story was going to be. Snow White, most people knew, okay, that's the story with Snow White, Seven Dwarfs, that kind of thing. So... It wasn't like he created Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They had been around for a long time before that. I mean, I'm not sure if there were seven of them. He just did his take on it. He did his take on it. Same thing with, oh, God, I don't know. uh, Alice. Alice in Wonderland. That's a great one. Uh, It's perfect, actually. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Beauty and the Beast was a little past Walt's time. But, yeah, you see what I'm saying is that everything, Bambi. 
any of those stories yeah. that Walt did, he made sure they were either based upon some existing novel or, or short story or, or biography, like Dave, Davy Crockett and everything like that. Oh, Mary he, Poppins, shoot. Mary Poppins, <laughs> yeah, P.L. Travers. I mean, yes. So he, he was smart enough to say, hey, if we're going to do something, let's do it off of something that people already know what it is. Something familiar with people, but with our spin to it to make it a little bit more uh, palatable to the entire family. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. And that's and, what he was doing with his parks, too, is trying to make a theme park or absolutely. a park, amusement park itself that was palatable so that everybody can enjoy it versus just like the guys that were thrill seekers or whatever else. And, and if you look at Disneyland's opening day roster, again, vast majority of this stuff was all based upon some existing IP somewhere Mm -hmm. in in and around. I mean, King Arthur Carousel, Mad Tea Party, Mark Twain Riverboat. I mean, it's named after Mark Twain. Uh, Swiss Family, right? uh, I don't know if Swiss Family was on here. I didn't see that one necessarily. I'm trying to But that was their movie anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was old school. It was based upon that book, yes. Right. Um, Rocket to the Moon, again, the idea of space travel, Jungle Cruise. Oh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, they did have Treasure Island. Yes. Yeah, well, sure. who didn't love pirates back then? Though you know, Arrow, Flynn, all, all them cats. I mean, that was a that was a big thing. That's the thing. So I mean, it's Disney has been long known for doing this. So I don't think Bob is straying from the course. But where Walt had balls and Bob doesn't is where Walt would see something and say, "All right, well, like like you said with tiki birds." Let's take the idea of this tiki, uh, this Polynesian culture with these tiki gods. Which was big back in the day. Right. There was a whole tiki culture thing that everybody yes. was all into. So, yeah, that fit right into it. But yeah, let's sorry. do our Disney spin on exactly, it. Exactly. Now yes. we've got four talking birds in here. Let's do our haunted mansion, which everybody else was doing at the time. But let's do our Disney spin on it. And that's what they were very, very good at doing. And that's where Walt, I believe, head and shoulders above anything that we've seen nowadays. And he, he kept the story. He kept a story. Right. And, and you know what? In the right. best, he, he didn't squeeze us for every last dime. He didn't say, <laughs> yeah. oh, you like Sleeping Beauty or you like Snow White? Here's Snow White 1. Here's Snow White 2. Here's Snow White 3. Reboot you of know, Snow White. He, ex- he didn't kill us with unnecessary sequels that we didn't need. <laughs> I just had a thought. You want to see Sleeping Beauty? Okay, that's $10. Oh, you want to see her sleep? That's oh, yeah, $15. <laughs> <laughs> want to see her take a nap on a timer? That's $20. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that totally makes sense. It's kind of like Epcot. You know, Epcot is really like people go ahead and they have this idea, this heyday of Disney where Disney didn't use uh ip on its attractions and it was kind of like par for the course it was um the rare attraction here and there would be an original no tie-ins to uh an existing disney character it was really when epcot came along that you got to see all brand new original attractions no character but i mean what did they have to do in order to make those attra- attractions, they had to create characters. Yeah. So that's how you got Sea Base Alpha and the in the Kitchen Figment, Cabaret and yes. Figment and all that stuff. So I mean, it, it's it's kind of the thing. IP is it's kind of like a necessary. Th- if you don't have it, you have to create it. And it's all geared around who is a sponsor too. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's synergy to, to, to an extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the Disney fan would consider synergies, what Michael Eisner had put out, is where you have the movie and you have the attraction. That's the type of synergy you're looking at. In this case, the synergy for the Epcot was, you know, you go to Universe of Energy, sponsored by Exxon, you're going to learn about energy. Oil. Oil. <laughs> oil. Energy. Right. How they make, yeah, of course, oil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Exxon. 
Uh, you go to GM, World of Motion. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to talk about how they developed into cars and all that kind of stuff. Sure. The land, originally uh, sponsored by Kraft. What are mm-hmm. you going to learn about? Land Macaroni stuff. and cheese. Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Farming and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that, that totally, uh, absolutely. And I think at that point, they were just kind of saying, hey, look, we have all of these media outlets. We have all of these branches that we could do. Let's explore them. Now, I mean, we're I'm jumping ahead because, like you said, you were talking strictly classics and like Walt. But at that one period, yeah, they were just like, hey, we have celebrities. We already have them on the payroll. Let's put them out there and let the synergy with their stardom shine and transfer over to these rides. And that's my worry is that it's just going now we're going if we're going forward. And I don't know where things are being taken, but now these guys are devouring everything. Well, this idea of synergy dates back to Walt. I mean, Walt did the exact same thing when he would open attractions. They would be in some way. I mean, there was a reason why he called his castle Sleeping Beauty Castle. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, look at Fantasyland. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like again to go back to Epcot. You go to the World Showcase. People are like, well, that's non-IP. Those are different countries, right? But the idea of it is, oh, baby, let's go to China. Why? China is an IP. <laughs> you know <laughs> what China is. You I mean, maybe you don't call it IP, but you know China's like, oh my God, I've seen it. I, uh, I'm aware of the country of China. We're going to go visit China. We're going to go visit. I mean, I've been in to Paris. I've been in to France. The France's pavilion. I see your underpants. <laughs> <laughs> in my pants. There's. You always looking. Huh? Yes, I am. <laughs> Got to check it out. We're good always looking, looking. We're a good looking group. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's the IP is there. The idea of, oh, my God, we got to go to the World Showcase. I want to see France. Oh, my God, we got to go to the World Showcase. I want to see Italy. That's the draw. You want to see those countries. The countries are the draw. Without them being an actual character in a Disney film, they're still a draw. That's all I'm saying is the IP exists no matter what. And the fact that the rides tie into that is nothing new. It's just that, yeah, now you're starting to see where in the olden days, they would kind of give the Imagineers, okay, here's a concept. Here's what we want to demonstrate. You go ahead and build us something that looks like that. I feel sorry for the Imagineers nowadays almost. It's Why like, is that? Because they never get to do anything new. It's like, okay, right. uh, retell the story of Frozen. Here you go. Do a whole attraction on Frozen. Go. Just put him in. It doesn't yes. have to be seamless. It doesn't have to be seamless story. Just make something. Right. Well, just yeah. So that make the job a little easier in a sense. It's no. like you still have you still have to transfer a, a cartoon or something into an actual living thing that people have it's to sit like in and wha- experience. No, because it's like writing Mary Poppins Returns. It's like <laughs> it's a little boy. Okay. Make sure that you hit these beats. Make sure that you uh, invoke this nostalgia. It's like Star Wars Land. Make sure you give them the the experience that they're in a Star Wars movie and stay within those realms. You don't don't get to create necessarily if i can really eli if you think about it yeah. you say you got a job with marvel and you got to work on spider-man mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's like all right you got to work within these parameters for spider-man make sure he does this this and this right without taking him in his own in your in your own specific idea of what you think spider-man should do spider-man would have a, a like a bible like you say like he has to shoot webs he has to do this he has to do that because yeah once you go off into something else from that IP, then people are like, I don't understand this. But it doesn't change the fact that you can still make some story within those bounds that is still original. But you got to still hit those certain beats. You have, well, you have, it's not really, to me, it's not hitting a beat when you're talking about something that transfers from a movie or a comic to, say, a ride or some sort of actual experience. I mean, you could put music in it or something like that. Or like, you know, like you say, have the same likeness of the characters. That's part of the IP. 
but you can still make the story an original you know an original object uh, if, if the if not the t- necessarily not if you're in charge of putting together a ride that is meant to take yeah yes if you're given the reins on spider-man they might say eli take this character where you want to take him if you're doing a ride they're like eli encapsulate everything that they the public already knows about spider-man within and you got five minutes to do it go yeah well you, that's all that's our leadership though you know well yeah, because that's that's the direction of the company right now. We want these people to feel happy, nostalgic. They got exactly what they would feel like a Spider-Man. It's relatable. Exactly. Mm-hmm, yeah. they've, okay. taken, they've taken away the artistic creativity and vision. And they've said, give me a greatest hits. Like when you ride Frozen now, it's like, okay, Anna and Elsa, check. Sven and Kristoff, check. Oh, wow, they got Marshmallow in there. Check. Special check, bonus, right. check. Oh, oh, wow, look at that. Okay, man, the trolls. Check, check, check. Good job on that one, guys. Y'all, y'all got everything I could have imagined. But you ride Pirates for the first time. You don't know what you're going to say. You ride Haunted Mansion. For the, you have no idea what's coming up. The only way to experience that is to freaking go to a park and ride it. But, it's frozen. If you watch the movie, you get the better part of that, <laughs> that experience. But now these guys are playing it safe, though. I mean, like, again, still using, like, the, the comic book analogy. I mean, they this this tons and millions of spider-man stories you could pull from so that bible is a lot bigger than if you said okay just use whatever they had from like the few movies that were made you know which i guess they can't because like sony made a bunch of them but that's what they do is like you know give us a greatest hits compilation of this movie hit every single beat that those did and then once you just kind of retell it exactly like the way again it's force awakens it's mary poppins returns it's retell us exactly what you already told us and it's a tighter framework than what they were given before. You got a lot to pull from. This is an obscure movie. You ever seen Tin Cup? No. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, with uh, Kevin Costner. Right. He's like, you know, instead of, you know, letting the big dog eat, he's going to lay it up. And that's what they're doing is they're laying it up. They're, they're taking the easy route. They're, they're playing it safe. We're going to give you all a nostalgic, feel-good, reminiscent moment that you've already kind of experienced just to play it safe that way. We don't damage this. So is that what the Disney fan typical Disney fan is afraid of that got yeah. into an uproar with this I would have yeah I would imagine so I mean, yes. at least okay. the, the few that I like well yes and no I think they're nostalgic for an age that maybe never quite was what they think it was as far as like what rides were already there and well, how they I, think, I think, think when Walt was there he just did all original IP yeah well there <laughs> I mean, was nothing all, all there right? yeah. no IP and it's not true Walt made sure that everything that he banked on was something that was already within the public consciousness we were aware of it we wanted to re-experience it and and walt was just going to give it to us in his way and i mean look great moments with mr lincoln he made sure to give us what the most successful or popularized president that we've ever known um what about like it's small world the stuff for the mayor for the world's fair could that be considered something generally unique you count that as an ip you say it no, 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 not as an IP, but just no, no, like no, just something sans IP. Original is Probably what Probably one of the few say. things that are there without any particular tie-in. I don't know, because that's like around the world in 80 days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know, which was an established know. book, so I don't, I don't yeah, know. but I don't know if they had a bunch of singing people. Oh, anymore. absolutely. No, I would consider that to be an original take on Peace and Harmony, but Peace and Harmony is in a, you know not necessarily an original theme. But it, it was Walt's take on it with the children of the world coming together that made it original. I think that was original. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Walt Disney never did anything original. Far from it. Uh, I think he did a lot of original things. I'm just saying the majority of kind of what you saw 
was tried and true. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. It, all you got to do is look at his films to, to realize it. Those, that was, hey, I've got somebody else's money. I can take some risks. Let's have fun. That's right. The vibe. Yeah, that's, that, already, that's, that's, that's already that's already there. Yeah. No. No. Actually, I, I like that. It's somebody else's money. We could do what we want. Yes. Yeah, so we have can some get fun. as crazy. We, we can get as crazy as we want. But for every one of those, you're going to get a Peter Pan's flight. You're going to get a you know a Mad Tea Party. You're going to get. I mean, but what is Frontierland? It's not. Hey, let's go Cowboys play Cowboys in the hills. Exactly. Yeah. The old West. Which Tom Sawyer's Island? If it's not, hey, let's go visit the world of of Mark Twain. But yeah. see, this is. But now it's a different world, right? I mean, now Disney is like again consumes everything so there is there doesn't necessarily even have to be a, a genre now because the ip is so specific they can just say all right boom guardians that's sci-fi people know what it is we can throw it out there and if it does well who knows you may see another extension of that star wars same thing i mean now it's becoming specific because the genre is not really the forefront as you say in the past now it's about what the actual movies was, how they did, what happened with books. And like it has to transfer a whole bunch of media now to get to this platform. Well, now, but there again, you just mentioned a whole bunch of things that Disney didn't create. But now they own it. Yes. That, but, and I think that's what people are bemoaning is this new mindset, which is we're not going to do anything original. We're just going to recreate the wheel uh, or, or hand over the wheel to people who are doing something new like James Cameron and his Avatar movies and, and Kevin Feige and all of his Marvel movies. We're going to hand over creative control to people who know what the, for a time John Lasseter and Pixar. We're just going to hand over uh, that to them and let them go ahead and figure things out. Would you hug me? I'd hug you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, look, that's, that's fair, but when they bought all of these properties, we were excited. I mean, I know when they bought Marvel, I was excited because mainly because there was a financial issue going on sure, with the sure. comic company. And so I didn't really foresee something like this happening like we're talking about now. But at the same time, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, if you, it's like Monopoly almost. I mean, that's what it is. What am I saying? Almost. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. If you own like three quarters of the board, you could put a hotel and a house anywhere you want. You sure, put, you know, you can do what you need and you make movies, you test people out, you make reboots and you say, okay, well, people will still buy this. People will still purchase this. People still like this property. So we can do whatever we want when we want. So there really is an, I guess it, it adds to the bemoaning part that really doesn't need to be an originality portion for rides or attractions anymore. Yeah, but it does. I think that's what the Disney fan community is kind of bemoaning is that it does because look at something like Frozen. By the time they get around, again, when you're dealing with a Disney company that needs to count every receipt, <laughs> every box office sale, every they need to tally up every single number to make sure it's successful by the time they get around to being like okay this was good now let's flood the market let's go ahead and put out as many toys and aprons and napkins and anything and everything that we can to milk every possible dime out of it we'll put out these dolls and that once you start doing that then you're starting to put out the shorts now that's coming up a frozen two Everybody has moved on. It's kind of like what we talked about before with the um, uh, uh, pirates, where it's like you know, I, I, I kind of uh, uh, related to Alf, where everyone went <laughs> Alf crazy for a while there. And every, Alf was the funniest, like fidget spinners or planking or, or any of that. Uh, it's a fad. It's a fad. Well, the best thing that the Imagineers are going to have to do is they're going to have to become bigger shareholders in this company because apparently the shareholders love how things are going. 
But when you already have a loyal fan base that is already pre-programmed to be fiercely loyal and loving of your product because it's their childhood. Your product and their childhood are intertwined. It is one. You've got people who are fiercely loyal to this. And like I said, you know, people like Kevin, myself, we'll still go to Disney. It's just the amount of times that we'll go might be turned down a bit because we can't afford it as much as we wish we could. Or we might still go the same amount of times, but we may stay at a lesser place. I think what's the saddest of all this, this is not, this article does not surprise me. Okay. It doesn't, it didn't offend me in any way. This is Bob being Bob. Do you think that was misconstrued though, that particular yes. line? I, I do think that was misconstrued. I, I think Bob could give a less about Expedition Everest. I, I don't even, he was like, oh, that's right, we do. I think somebody reminded him after the fact, and he was like, that's right, we do have, uh, what did you call it again? An ever yes, we have yeah, an Expedition Everest. Wait, it's more like, uh, 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 how many riders go on this? Yes. Oh, okay, ching, ching, ching. Okay, good. Yeah, you, look, you look it up, everybody wants to go on and they still broke it? I like it. Yeah. I, I think Bob's got too much on his mind. It's no knock on Bob. I think he's got so much on his mind. I don't think he realized what he said. What was interesting about what he said is that, yeah, we're not swinging for the fences anymore. We don't just hand over and say, hey, listen, we want a brand new attraction. Imagineers, go wild. Create your, your wildest dreams. No, we say, Imagineers, you got to give us something that embodies the spirit of Iron Man, of Pirates, of Alice, of uh, Pandora, Frozen, Avatar, Pandora. Yeah. Give us something that hits every note that people are already familiar and tired of. As opposed to like, again, like a haunted mansion where the only way you can experience it is to go there. And, you know, I, honestly, though, it's like, you know, when, when Iger said that and the article came out, was anybody really, anybody here surprised? No. I was trying to find the offensive part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a Disney fan community. I'm curious. And probably the people that would be offended are probably not listening to the show. You know, because they—I uh, uh, they'd already be offended by now. Well, they, they yeah, they'd already be offended. offended <laughs> no chime in. No chime in. No, I mean because the ones that are the, the weekend universe, I think, is a little bit more woke. <laughs> Maybe woke universe as opposed to what's going on, and the ones that uh, uh, refuse to believe that Disney could do anything bad are not listening to our show. No, they're probably they listening to the, the the handful of very, very popular ones that do nothing but do praise it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. fine. They yeah. can do their show and we do our show. They listen to our show once, went, aye, and they don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> went on the iTunes review, one star. These are fake personalities. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> like a, like like a, a Johnny Quest yeah. villain. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's almost like I'm preaching to choir. The weekend universe probably wouldn't have been as surprised but i wasn't and yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't either honestly i mean i when i read it the thing that i pulled away the most from it in general uh, of the article is the fact that one bob has a lot of plates to spin but two he has other people to spin the plates like if you read the article he actually tells you he's like yeah i don't really make all the decisions i got a team of people that make educated decisions and then i come after you know after them and say okay Right, that makes sense that doesn't make sense and he writes it all on the board and, and that part of it was where I was like but when the directive that's, is that's maybe that's where he's going just all IP all yeah, day but every that's day a, that's a, the typical business setup right you, yeah, got, right. Your, you, got, yeah. your, you got your head guy and then all the direct reports underneath you can yes. have a team yeah. of creative people but the directive is give them something they already know 
your hands are tied at that point in Absolutely. time. And, and, and that's, that's, that's it. look, say what you will about Michael Eisner. This dude, before he worked with Disney, was a creative guy who worked with artists and visionaries like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. He was on the indie films, the Star Trek films. Uh, he did Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, he knew what it was like to work around creative people. Bob Iger's biggest claim to fame was being a, a, the network, network executive who greenlit America's Funniest Home Videos. Right? Yeah, right. and he was a weatherman before that. I mean, that's what he thinks about Iger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Forecast is boy IP. America's funniest home video. Yeah, and again to go back to Michael, it's like Michael was in effect a creative himself. In the fact that you hear stories that are documented and constant that say he came up with 10 million ideas, and out of those 10 million ideas, maybe one would actually be really good. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he would actually come up with thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. is a credit to Michael Eisner for being for uh, as a businessman attempting. I don't know if he was a businessman that was attempting to be creative or a creative trapped in a businessman's body. You know what I mean? Well, but maybe that goes to show that being the head of the Disney company is not a position that you should hold for a decade. Maybe it's something that you should hold until the moment where you kind of, you've explored everything you can explore. You've, greenlit the things that you could greenlight you've you've allowed that vision that you had to go ahead and it's like okay now i'm not i'm not doing the company any favors by staying on it's time for me to shuffle off like i think bob is probably in that time frame where bob needs to go but the problem with bob is that bob hasn't built anything of worth you know what's <laughs> dangerous though he's like he's like uh john mcclain in die hard one He's like the wrong guy, but he's in the right situation. Yes. Meaning that he's in a he's in an area where he doesn't have to rebuild anything. Everything's built for him, but then at the same time, there's a platform of technology that's still available to him that he's like, Okay, you I just need to get that. I just need to get to this floor and stop the rocket from blowing up and then I can go ahead and save the princess, you know, like He's got a streaming service now. And it was it was weird just reading that part of the article where he's just like, hey, look, we're going to redo Lady and the Tramp. I'm like, why? But it's on a streaming service. So he's like, you know, we're going to get away with that. We're going to make an entity based on this technology that we bought from somebody else that's going to generate its own money and then therefore pool its money into the money machine that we already have. He calls it feeding the beast. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. That tells me right there how he sees it. It's not like the good beast because everybody, you know, knows Gaston wanted to form a riot to take out the beast. This is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just more like a monster that he says, hey, the shareholders are like, feed me more. And he's like, okay, let's just throw this out because if these shareholders are pumping in the money, that's still a crazy amount of financial security, not just for me, Bob Iger, not me. I don't get nothing. But, but where are the visionaries that are going to take Disney into the next decade? But that's a tricky thing. We are... There is no more John Lasseter. There is no more George Lucas. Yeah. I mean, he's done away with all them. It's kind of like, yeah, we're purchasing your properties so we can give our audience the feels. But that's a, But you know what, though? Making something new in this day and age is really tricky because now... Everybody could do it. Like now you have like Netflix and stuff where you could experiment, put some star that hasn't been relevant for, say, five years, put them in a movie and then boom, they could blow up again. Like the the platform of new. Yeah, but the platform has changed. It's not there's not like one specific stream you have to go through to make stuff happen. I mean, even in the sense of, say, making a comic book, I 
I might make a book like, hey, this works. I like it. But I don't know how well it does until other people read it, whether they choose to or not. But if I say, well, I put out two issues of something, nobody liked it, but I had this really cool story I was building up to. If I don't decide to say, hell with it, I'm going to go through with that story arc anyway, then that may change people's minds. Say, oh, yeah, this is awesome. So that's the danger of having something original. You have to go through a lot of different walls to make it get to that next transcendent level where it's a variable IP property, you know, that's tricky. Well, let's kind of circle it back to your original question when we started this conversation. Should should Expedition Everest be turned into an IP? What do you think, Eli? Oh, no, if, if I was to, I don't think it should, but if it would, I would go totally blue sky and say they should make it from the golden child. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say just you know do that, just buy that. I, 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 I want, want the that. fast pass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just get Eddie Murphy quotes all the way through. I like, thought you were yeah. gonna say cliffhanger, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just right up to the top. You're like Roadhouse. Do they have, <laughs> do they have Star Search in Tibet? Probably not. Probably a food search. No, you know? no in Disney it'll be one. 187 hours <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get to a point they're like okay if you want to you know move on the ride you got to cut off your arm <laughs> but if you don't you just pay us an extra 200 because <laughs> like, i even there an arm you and can, a leg yes yeah. and you can exit right here i wish they would just fix the whole thing but you know it is what it is Lee, what do you think? What, what's a, what, what are your what's your take on that question that Eli posed? Uh, yeah, let's. There's no point in redoing it. There's no point in, in, in fixing it. There's no point in spending the money to redo it to a new IP, you know, what have you. So it's a waste of money to do anything with it at all. Should Expedition Everest be turned into an IP? Absolutely not. It's a stupid <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my answer, no. It's just leave it alone. Okay, so when the ride system itself breaks, should they at least break everything down and then rebuild it up? Just to make it right again. I want to say that Expedition Everest has been in operations way, way longer with a broken Yeti than it has with a working Yeti. And it's been just fine. And that's the problem. Is And, and that's business. It's business 101. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And if it's broken, it's working, still don't fix <laughs> it. Yeah, don't fix it. <laughs> hey, what's the, uh, what's the big... Oh, I can't remember his name right now. The big Muppet. The huge Muppet. Sweetums. Sweetums. Yeah. I'm fine you put him in there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> put Sweet. him in there. Put you Adam guys. in there. Just, yeah, something. To, he know, flies by and throws a bucket of confetti <laughs> on Yeah, Whole new IP right there without changing when the ride system. When you get to the top of the mountain, the two old men are up there. <laughs> and like, ha, ha, ha. You're expecting a <laughs> Yeti, huh? <laughs> I can see that when they, the, tra- the, the track is broken and you stop for a second. Uh, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> Look at these four. Uh-huh. We're gonna say working yeti. Uh-huh. <laughs> All we got is an arm to clap with. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, but you put in the yeti from Monsters Inc. I'm John Rassenberger can do the voice. <laughs> Welcome to the Himalayas. <laughs> and then you just keep be a, moving on. Be a snow keep cone stand outside that says yellow snow cones. Yeah, you go. Well, yeah, yeah. that's that's a tie. That's money right there, man. Yellow snow cones. Well, we're gonna. <laughs> ooh, well, well, hopefully we'll see what the future holds for us when we're old men. If everything becomes a hybrid of it's just straight IP all across the board. Well, Moeekin Universe will be curious to know what your thoughts are as far as the whole IP thing. Maybe if you want to answer the question as far as Expedition Everest turning into an IP or anything else regarding that matter. 
So uh, we're about to tell you how to get in touch with us in just a little bit. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin. And here we are on Guest Services, and this is a segment in which we get to service you, the listener. And on this segment, we read all your emails, your voicemails, and anything else that you send in to communicate with us your thoughts and opinions, because as you remember, all opinions are welcome on the Magic Ori Podcast. And today, to join us, we have a fella who comes on the show every so often, and he wanted to voice his opinion on a particular topic, which we're actually about to hear, uh, sent in from a different listener. And this listener is known by... Yes, sir. It's our very own Officer Moeke Kirk Landry from down the bay. How you doing, Kirk? Oh, good little fellas. How y'all doing? We are doing well, sir. We're doing well. Glad to have you back on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. When you sent us that text saying you wanted to kind of voice your throw your two cents in on the whole Mary Poppins deal, uh, especially since today they uh, announced that the, uh, there's a possible sequel to the Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, I thought they already made out. a sequel called Mary Poppins. Yay. Yeah. 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 Yay. That's, That's what, what I thought need. so, too. Mary Poppins 3 keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> the rise of Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. So today, uh, Kirk came in to voice his opinion on the matter and also. Uh, Rachel Robert sent in a little voicemail to also voice her opinions on the matter. If you are curious about how we thought about it, listen to our show number 250 and uh, you'll hear our thoughts on it. So uh, let's bring forth uh, let's bring forth Rachel Robert's voicemail and listen to it thusly. Here we go. Hello, Magic Our Way guys and listeners. Uh, so it's Monday, January 7th, and I listened this morning to your review of Mary Poppins Returns. And I loved it. And I couldn't wait to hear what other Disney fans thought because I felt like the film was just a home run. I was just looking forward to hearing a rave review from other fans, Disney fans and fans of the parks. And I couldn't believe that it wasn't a rave review. I was so surprised. And so I just instantly felt compelled to do a rebuttal. And so this is my sort of alternate viewpoint rebuttal of your review of Mary Poppins Returns. Um, for me, the Disney classic from this, this era, or the Mary Poppins era that really was my favorite as a kid was Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And so I don't know how much impact that had on how I reacted to Mary Poppins Returns, but um, for me, this sort of hit a lot of the notes of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I think that is what helped me to love it so much. Um, so I wanted to agree with some of your review, even though it is primarily wrong. <laughs> um, but some of the things I did agree with were that I thought that the written story had some big holes. There were also definitely some pointless story arcs that went nowhere. Um, for example, I agree I could have gone without the whole like fix the bowl storyline. I also agree that the film was a remake more than it was a sequel. And I actually argue that I think that the fact that it was a remake makes it better. I think it was a stronger film because it was a remake. If they had taken those characters in a totally new direction or if they had had a new story with new children, I'm not sure they could have achieved the kind of nostalgia and familiarity that I think makes this film so successful. The casting. I thought Emily Blunt was a great Mary Poppins. And I know that you said you were a little bit put off by the fact that she played it 
a little bit sassy. She brought like a modern sensibility to the character, even though the character was still set um, in a time long ago. I thought her modern sensibility was super relevant. Um, but I thought that Emily Blunt still did a great job, like personifying this iconic character. But again, like with this modern sort of edge and that, that really spoke to me. Um, and she had an attitude about what she wanted to achieve and how she was going to get there with those kids and with Michael and Jane. And I thought that, um, the differences in her performance versus Julie Andrews were appropriate, um, in regards to the fact that the film was set in a little bit of a sadder story than the original was. And that those kids were dealing with something that was more serious than what Jane and Michael were in the first film. But I thought her portrayal maybe spoke to that, that things were a little darker and sadder because of the economic times, because of what the kids had just gone through with losing their mother. Um, and so I, I thought it was, she did a super great job. Um, and I also thought the rest of the cast was pretty well chosen and I thought they played their roles well. Um, related to casting, but also to the story, I really liked that Jane and Michael seemed to have sort of learned from their time with Mary Poppins as kids and in their adult lives had pursued meaning over economic success. I thought that that was like a nod to the fact that they had been infected and impacted and, and that they valued their time with Mary Poppins and it had shaped the people they had become. I thought that was well done and I thought the, the casting of those roles was, was well done too. I, mean, I want to move to music. I... Like Kevin said, I got butterflies when I saw Sherman's name in the opening credits. Um, I was so excited to hear it be inspired by his work and, and that he consulted on the film. And I thought it was right on. I felt like the music was straight out of the original film or, or Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I thought it fit right into that style. But every so often there were these sort of modern touches to it that I thought were really appropriate. Every time I listened to it, I, the music, I feel like I'm walking down Main Street in Disneyland, like headed to the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe. The last thing I want to say about the film, I guess, is that I think this film honors Walt Disney in the best way possible. I think this film is incredibly nostalgic and, and most importantly to Walt, it has multi-generational appeal. Um, the nostalgia is like everywhere in this film. I hear it in the score. I saw it in the animation. Um, when the characters go into the bowl scene, when that dog character that, that had the wagon turned around for the first time, it like took my breath away. I felt like that animation was straight out of Bedknobs and Broomsticks or the original Mary Poppins film or um, like Robin Hood, like that whole time period of animation. I thought they did such a great job like capturing that style, but also making it modern in a way that didn't make me feel like I was watching an old movie. Um, it felt relevant. When I looked around the theater, there were so many three-generational groups. Um, there were young kids, there were parents, there were grandparents. Um, there was actually like a whole like retired group there watching the film when I was there. Um, and this is sort of like a small town theater on a, a Sunday matinee, but the, the theater was actually pretty full and uh, just so many different ages, such a range. And I thought like, yeah, that's, that's what Walt wanted with his films and his parks. It, this idea that we could all enjoy it together on the same level. That's what stands out most to me when, was how I felt watching it. That I felt the same way as I feel in the parks. That I was right back to being a seven-year-old kid next to my daughter who's seven years old. That it wasn't like I was enjoying the film um, for the adult jokes or the Easter eggs that are in there for adults. I was enjoying it at sort of like a seven-year-old's level. And she was enjoying it at her level and, and the 
the retired women next to me were enjoying it as like seven-year-olds. And we just all were in this childlike, nostalgic place together. And I felt like that was so valuable and unique. And, uh, and those cameos at the end, Dick Van Dyke and Angela Lansbury, they felt just like gifts for, for fans um, to, to see at the end. Uh, having Angela Lansbury sing that song at the end for a Bedknobs and Broomsticks fan was like, psh, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, thanks again, guys, for always doing these reviews and um, having your listeners be invited to chime in. And uh, I hope that you have a great January. And I know Kevin's headed to Walt Disney World soon, so safe travels and enjoy. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Hi, there you go. Thanks, Rachel, for sending that in. I appreciate that for sure. Wow. So, th- like, this is the second time we've had a uh, listener write in and tell us that we're wrong. Kirk, will you make the third? I know. I'll probably be the first to agree with Oh, you. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. So, thoughts. Well, she's very articulate, and uh, I do... Uh, I do like her enthusiasm about it. I mean, you know, she, she's a class act, no doubt about that. I, I do, I do think it's funny that everybody thinks that we bashed the film. I, I know I said this the other week, but we really didn't. And I think, like a lot of points, she says uh, we agree with. We agree with. Yeah, yes, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah. I, I said, I like the bowl scene. Um, the animation part was a was a, another thing to bring about. I, I but I just encompassed it all the look and feel nostalgia of the film everything that she mentioned there yeah, yeah. i couldn't agree more yeah the I, actors i mean we all agreed uh emily blunt did her thing i mean whether it was modernized or not it wasn't like we were like hey she's terrible we all agreed across the board well i was still put off a little bit by emily blunt yeah i know you said you were a little yeah, bit more put like off that. than what yeah. we were i can't say i was a fan <laughs> i didn't hate her yeah, you I didn't know, hate her. Yeah, I, I appreciated her tackling that character. I like big it. shoes to fill. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, that, that's huge shoes to fill. So Dave she had Julia. to make it her own. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you're you're not going to be satisfied looking at her performance. There's going to be some element where, okay, she didn't quite capture this element. Whereas Julie had the compare had the advantage of not having to worry about any comparisons. Mary Poppins had not been played. No. Up until she played it, Very it was hers true. to create. It was hers to create. She just had yeah. a book to look at. Yeah, I, I, the only other thing I would say, and it's a fair rebuttal that she has, I would still go on the side of saying I'd rather see it put in a different, outside of a different bubble, if that makes any sense. Like, I understand the enthusiasm of seeing a character that you like on screen. Like, you know, if when there's a Spider-Man movie, it doesn't matter who's playing it. I want to see it. I like Spider-Man. I, I do get pumped up when I see it. But the same time, if they did... Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin and they had every reincarnation of a new Spider-Man movie and it, but it was still fighting the same villain I'd be like no you know like I've kind of seen that I want to see what you do with you know like they had the Vulture or you know Electro or something like that so uh, in that part I I wouldn't mind getting out of the bubble of nostalgia I mean it to me it's a it's still it's not a sequel it, it's a remake and if it's a remake that means you already have a basis to, you know, uptake everything on. Yeah, I'm not gushing over the movie. Will you buy it when it comes out? I, I'll buy it, yeah. Of course I'll buy it. I'll wait for it on that yeah. streaming service. If it comes out on the streaming yeah, service, I'll this. watch that. I don't know. Like this is. Would you buy it on day one? No, no I'll, I'll buy it eventually. <laughs> Y'all remember um, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, yes. the first yes. one? Yes. Yeah. The very first one? Would you consider that a sequel, sequel. or a remake? <sighs> sequel? Okay, so Mary Poppins Returns, sequel. sequel or remake? Maybe a sequel. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a sequel that feels 
What are y'all just I say say Eli remake. said it was more of a remake. And, well, how it played, yeah, it, yes, played, it like, played like a remake, but it's supposed right, but to but be. But it's a sequel. sequel. Like, yeah, right. yeah, I understand what it's supposed to be, but that's not what it is, in <laughs> my opinion. I mean, it's like, I can't believe it's not a remake. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It has, but it has to save, you know what I'm saying? It has to save well, people. Here's, here's what it is. It, it, it's like they first built Indiana Jones, uh, 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 the the Temple of Forbidden Eye out in Disneyland. Yes. Okay. They took that same ride track and they built Dinosaur or Countdown Extinction. That's what it's like. It's a different story, but the same kind of skeleton layout. Yes. It's a remake without having the luxury of all the great songs. Yes. Yeah. yes. Without the exact storyline, without the exact, yeah. Well, about the expectations for having it, because that was, I, look, I think people watch these movies and they look for different things. I like story. And that story just was awful to me. <laughs> like I really was like, that's really that's the best y'all could do for story. Everything that she said, I think she was for the most part correct. Yes, and did. for her, that was enough to be like, it's just a good movie. For me, the story sunk it. Thank you, Rachel, for uh, sending us an op- opinion as that. We definitely welcome that anytime. And uh, let's get on to our next thought on this show. Who's next? And who's next is Officer Moeekin, who happens to be on the show at the time. Hey, hey Officer Moeekin. What's up? You are hey, next. next. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Who next? You next. Well, what do you have to say about this, good sir? <sighs> All right. I, I really want to love this movie. And I, and it was good. I feel like almost exactly the way all three, all four of y'all do in this movie. It was good. Emily Blunt, I thought halfway in the middle of the movie, I'm like, she is the perfect actress for this she almost embodied julie andrews to me at least in, in my opinion she had the accent down i liked how she put her her snark in there she made her a little bit more more smart alecky that was that was awesome i found that all the rest of the acting was good even meryl streep even though like danny i don't know why she was in that movie um everything she said about walt I, disney i, I found it disrespected him but couldn't agree more. that's just me now, the the acting was 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 superb. I loved it. Everybody did a did a perfect job. The Lin Manuel Miranda. I've never seen him before. Heard his name, wasn't familiar with him, but I loved his his uh, performance, acting, uh, singing, everything. What else? As far as the acting goes, uh, and I wrote my notes down, but they're in my. You um, wrote your thoughts work. down, and the, but they're at work. You said. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Did you write yeah, on a speeding know. ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, right, right on the back of one. I told him to sign here. He was like, what the hell is this? Man, Pop is returned. Yeah, if they give me out the ticket, I liked it. I how do I contest this? <laughs> I haven't even seen the movie, officer. What do I do with this? I can't, I can't even say this word. How do I? Super Cali- What is and, it? And, and, and then Kirk just busting the song. Super Cali- yeah, 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 Super Cali- Supercharged. Like, officer, can I go You're charged with speeding. You're charged with not wearing a seatbelt. And you're charged with tripping the light fan. Fantastic. <laughs> it, it, and your fine is that spark on you. What's this spoonful of sugar in your, in your truck right here? Yeah, hey man, I ain't gonna fall off no spoonful of sugar in my gas tank. I do that. Yeah, you're like, hey, see your way out, space spark as you uh, talk to Judge Van Dyke spock. on the way out. Okay, hold. Spit. Yeah, I like spot. saying spit spot. Yeah, I've tried to correct him on that a gazillion spot. times. Okay. Yeah, I just say what Make- I just got. Making sure you weren't you were you were you were purposely messing that up because every time you said it, I was yelling. It is spit spot. I line. know. Get I right. saw the movie. I just like saying it. Kirk, forty five minutes prior to the podcast, fish bash, best, yeah, splash. He's right, Chris Bosh. <laughs> you know, Yo, Chris Cross. 
He's right. Like I kept trying to say it, and it was like not coming out. But I liked when she would throw out the little terms. Yeah, I, I like that. The music was 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 awesome. When when Michael was in the in the attic uh, singing to his wife, that was depressing. Uh, oh, yeah. That was that, that was, was rough. That was man. a touch, yeah, that was touch moment right there. That was that is rough. But I find the story. At one point, I said, "Hold on, wait. This is the Mary Poppins version of the Force Awakens." That's what I said. Because <laughs> every single beat from the first one is in this one. Mary Poppins flies down from the sky. You just didn't have all the nannies flying away. <laughs> you, um, J- Jane and Mike. You got the daddy who's for some reason or another disconnected from his kids. You got the mother, well, the mother figure here, who's got the um, the social justice thing going. She's a social cru- uh, crusader. They go to the bank. They at one point at one point in the movie they end up down a, a kind of a seedy dark section of London, just like they did with Bert. They left it when they got chased out of the bank. They started a, they started an argument in the bank, a big commotion. Mary Poppins helped them clean up the nursery. It's everything. Instead of going into a chalk painting, they went into a bowl, which that like you said, the animation was was lovely. Uh, that 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 looked like classic Dan Disney yeah, animation. Yeah, good right physics. There. That was some good, and that you're was some right, stuff. Kirk. It has that Force Awakened syndrome. I I termed it. It was in the podcast i mean it has that thing was like let's just make sure we hit the beat so people feel something and they do a really good job at that yeah it's like it's one of those where they're so scared of screwing it up right that they won't you follow follow the same notes from the first one that way you're giving people what they're familiar with you're pleasing your old ones and you're getting your new ones which that's awesome but it was almost so kurt do you have anything else that you wanted to add to your Thoughts on this? Oh, you got some more. Hang on, you got a little bit more time. Hang on. One thing, I, one thing I caught right when they showed it. You remember in the, when they're going, when Michael and Jane are going through the attic. Michael finds that snow globe with um, St. Paul's mm-hmm. Cathedral yes. in it. How did they get that? Because Mary Poppins packed that in her carpet bag when she left. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the umbrella had some. He was trying to sell it at a That's pawn a, shop. Well, the first thing I saw, I said, oh, "Okay, how did you get that?" Because she took. I remember seeing her pack that in her carpet bag. Well, you huh? see, uh, JV du- ah, Davy Jones back. came back and tossed it to him. Uh, he put in one of those ships <laughs> that went back to England. Yeah, and uh, you know, he just happened to find it. Davy Jones gave it to Captain Hook. Peter yes. Pan fought Captain Hook. Yeah. He was in London. <laughs> Yeah, London had fallen. Yes, crazy stuff. And then Pumbaa accidentally ate it, and then you know he came right, and he farted it out, and like Mowgli took it, hiding his red diaper drawers. I Mm -hmm. mean, it was all kind of it's kind of like the red violin, but different. But you know what? That question would be fair if this movie wasn't a sequel, but just a remake. Because you say if it was just a remake, well, it doesn't matter, you know. But if it's a sequel, you got a point. It's a now it's a continuity issue. What if Mary Poppins put it there for him to find so he would remember the magic? That dude didn't remember, remember that. the magic. That dude, he couldn't even remember to pay his bill. Danny, what, you know that. What if there's an untold story there? And somewhere between the two movies, Mary Poppins actually came back. Oh, Mary oh, Poppins, yeah. like one and a half? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The kite strikes yeah. back. Direct, direct <laughs> Mary video. Poppins, one and a half. Jeez. <laughs> and, and, and one more thing. What did, what did Mary Poppins actually do to solve the problem that was there? The problem was... The, he forgot. He didn't for some reason didn't pay the um, the note. The, they were gonna lose their house. Mary Poppins didn't solve that problem. They had the money in the bank. Who solved the problem? Yes. the umbrella did. The umbrella told Dick Van Dyke, uh, Mr. Dawes Jr., 
and oh yeah we got this money for y'all hey check it out we'll pay off nice house. i wish that would happen to me like i wish like i'd be like man i'm gonna pay all these bills yeah no, and brother said, i got it go go to the bank and then you know some guy's like yeah he's just dancing he's like we paid off all your bills thanks to the umbrella like cool i'm keeping this umbrella eli i sit you i see you over there yeah <laughs> how you doing mr umbrella let's go pay off your bill go put on your pants eli. there you go open up umbrella <laughs> let's go for let's a flight your pants let's go outside it's raining i'm gonna keep you dry eli. keep it dry you go pay these bills that's right pay all the bills you want i stay as dry as you need you keep that open anyway uh in a whole as far as i'm concerned it was a uh, i did like it i did get the feels a few times inside it while watching it when it comes out on blu-ray i will be buying it and of course it never would but this is not going to replace or even do anything to the original unlike unlike force awakens this doesn't, doesn't do anything to affect the story as far as i'm concerned so it's still you mary poppins like it but you don't love it you don't hate, you just like it, right? right. Just lukewarm. So A, right. B, C, yeah. D, F. What do you say? Uh, B. A B. Okay, a B. so you gave it a B. Overall a B. B. Okay. B as in as B in boy. Boy? B well, minus is B fair. as in bored. Yeah, I was, yeah B, B minus. <laughs> Chris Bosh. B <laughs> as in Bosh. <laughs> All right, what else Chris we got, Kirk? Uh, okay. That's pretty much all I can remember right now. That's pretty much it. Oh, the... And this is not particularly about this movie, but something at the beginning of every Disney movie lately that really gets to me. And I don't know if there's any legal reasons they did it or why, but why can the movies, the logo, say Walt Disney Pictures anymore? Why is it does it just say Disney? I don't. I just don't like that. It needs to say Walt Disney Pictures. I went back and I researched a little bit when they, you know, when they first started using that the the Walt Disney Pictures logo, the castle with the Tinkerbell streak over it. And how it's evolved over the years. And at one point, I think it was um, in front of the Muppets movie. The Muppets a few years ago. The first one. That they first they, uh, put it up there without Walt Disney pictures on it. Just Disney. It just I don't like how they are. How they're, they seem to be erasing oh, wow. in some ways. And that's I, I, hate, way. I hate to hear something like that. I mean, that's fair speculation. I, but I, I hate to think it. So I hate to. I would, I would like to lead towards the side of saying they have so many you know, licensing issues and this, that, and the other, the transitions that is just safer to leave it that way. But I hate to think they erase it. True. And say so it might have been a legal thing where they had to. I'm, I don't know. I just don't like, I just don't like seeing it. I'd rather see Walt Disney pictures or something with his name. I mean, his, his name used to be attached in front of everything that, that came out that was done by the company. Now it's just Disney. Instead of the man, it's a brand name. Of course, his name was a brand name, but it was still his name. His whole name. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's it. Cool, Kirk. Well, well, we appreciate you calling in to uh, to voice your opinions and stuff. No problem. I appreciate y'all having me. Anytime. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that conversation uh, about uh, the Yeti and everything in IP, public domain IP, and that. If you want to learn more about us, man, magicourway.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. You can also get in touch with us to voice your opinions. Shoot us an email at showupmagicourway.com. Leave us a voicemail via speak button or call us at 1-815-MO-WEEKEND. That is 1-815-ICUP-669-4226. And of course, guys, we got a couple of uh, people to do things outside of the podcast. First off, we got Eli. Eli, tell me what you got Eli. going on, sir. Yeah, thank you guys very much for entertaining me on Eli. this topic. Eli. Hey. Hey. <laughs> thank you, Fonz. <laughs> Where's my jacket? It's cold outside. 
Uh, well, you know, I'm a comic guru. Draw comics what I do. I'm no Imagineer, but my website I do hold dear. You can find that work <laughs> on ivycomics.com. Post up some new uh, artwork for Savages, Project Geisha, uh, first graphic novel and the second one. So there's blogs, interviews, always a link to the awesome weekend universe so you don't miss a thing there. Facebook.com, there too. Uh, Eli H. Ivory. Always welcome to accept new friends as long as you're a real person and not a bot with some name I can't even pronounce because it's a picture of a woman in a bikini. That's an enticing picture, but I will not accept it. <laughs> All right. Now, you know, Eli, you've been saying that a lot mm-hmm. on the back of these shows. Do you get a lot of those? Yes, I do. Oh. I, I, I totally do. I, I, okay. I, I'll get some picture of like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I got one. I'm not making this up. I'm a lonely housewife. Call me. <laughs> I wish it was like it had like a saying to it, but no joke. There was like a picture of like, uh, I want to say it was like an Indonesian woman in a bikini. Like a what a woman? A, an Indonesian woman. Indonesian. Like, Indonesian, yeah. In a bikini, like on a beach. And it was like, you know, accept this friend request. I was like, like, wow, okay. So I just, I didn't accept it. I just hit the profile and it was like, there were no pictures or nothing like that. It was just like, you know, I was like, oh, no, uh, uh, I know how this works. Like, oh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Like, it was something like, I like hockey. Like, oh, uh, I no, this ain't no more weekend. <laughs> I like hockey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't trust that, you know. But, uh, yeah, if, I, if I've seen your, your name, if I, I've heard you call into the show. And, that, and again, that interaction uh, improves <laughs> that chance, you know. If I've seen your name and you send a picture in with a bikini, I'll accept that. I accept that. Be like, I love your show. Like, okay. I, yeah, I know Even that if you're a guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't send that picture. Um, if Mr. Mononymous sends a picture in with a bikini, <laughs> with a bikini. friend request. Oh, my goodness. You will accept that. A bikini with skull and crossbones on it. He's most Power definitely not a bot. Well, you know, look, if he says it, I, I got to accept it. You know, so it's, it's all good. Got got ah, to love the Moeekin Universe family. Uh, door opened. At, <laughs> <laughs> it's a door to your imagination. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> There's an IP to that. It's not a bot. I pee freely. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's a, that's a good time right there. Um, outside of that, of course, Project Geisha has own Facebook page. So <laughs> outside of that, <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna walk away from that as smoothly as I possibly can. Um, so Facebook.com slash huh? I said walk gingerly. I walked a lie, Danny. Right, I, I walked a lie out of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, sashay, sashay out of this. Sashay. Come on, now. strut a little bit. Do a little Ric Flair. Do a little turn on the catwalk. Somebody got a boy. <laughs> Well, nature boy on the back of the robe or something I can pull out. <laughs> <laughs> Sashay my way out. Like a ballroom dance or something. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, You're a ballroom dancer. I answer for money. They did. Do what they want you to do. I do. I do. I, I am a private podcaster. Darn <laughs> for money. And only my art would do. <laughs> All right, sashay. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna sashay my way on out of here. So, facebook.com slash project Gage, you can check out uh, that artwork. And man, Instagram, EIV504, and of course, Twitter, Hancock10166. So, as always, the story is always about you guys. Glory, thank you for the support. Good night. And if you want to take a vacation to any of the Disney parks so you can see all them IPs, you can do so with Lee. Lee, tell me how to do this. Um, easiest way is just to call me at 832-570-5490. That's 832-IP-FREELY. 832-IP-F-R-E-L-Y. Uh, check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Lost Travel. That's L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A Travel. 
you can always email me at lee at magicarway.com. And if you do any of that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up. All right. If you yes. want to support the show as a whole, you can do so through the following ways. You can click on the affiliate links on our website. You can also buy some beignets and support the show that way. There's a link right there on the homepage. And you can represent the Moeekin Nation wherever you go by purchasing some clothing from our shop. And the easiest way to support us is to leave a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you download the show, whether it is Stitcher, Blueberry, Google Play Music, etc. And also remember, we are part of the BS Podcast Network, whose motto is, we speak our minds so you don't have to. So be sure to support our partners at podcasting over there. And guys, we thank you for taking the time out of your day and listening to us and making us a part of your Disney fan life. We appreciate you and love hearing from our listeners. All opinions are welcome on the Magic Our Way podcast all day, every day. So get in touch with us today. 24 hours a day. <laughs> it's always your way. Your way right away, Burger King now. Yeah, eat that. Sponsor us. Anyway, so Moikins, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we say Quahirini. My name is Kevin. I'm Danny. Magic out. I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but I still somehow end up with tacos. Yellow snow cones. The necessities of Mother Nature's recipe. Hey, guys. Hey, you hear that? Yeah. Yes. You know what that is? Tony Bennett? It is Tony Bennett. Oh, man. Italians recognizing Italian. You know what song <laughs> he likes that? What song is he singing? Well, the song that Lee couldn't sing when he was trying to do it for the Navigator. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, but do you, do you know what I'm listening it on? This is Mad Hatter Radio, which is an ra- online radio station of Disney fan stuff that we have partnered up with, man. How do you like that? Partners here on the Gulf Coast, Magic Our Way and Mad Hatter Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, creative buffs on radio stuff. That's like right. It. Yeah, it's good. It's another outlet. Uh-huh. You know, it, 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 what's good about it, yeah, let me tell you what's good about it. You hear Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. But you could probably hear Bare Necessities done by like a, a metal group, a heavy metal group. You could probably mm-hmm. hear a country version of this. Oh, wow. You could probably hear like a funk version, James Brown type of, ah, <laughs> give me a Bare Necessities. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get on, get up again. Oh, yeah. You know? Tell, what you say now? <laughs> Disney. That's right. You can hear that all on the station, man. It's, <laughs> they don't just give you the normal spiels and, and, and r- attraction sounds, but they give you every creative variation that other artists have taken to the standard Disney songs. Like Tony Bennett right here. This yeah. little jazzy version of the Bare Necessities. You know? I'm thinking about Goodfellas right now. I don't know why. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Listen to this station, okay? It's good for you. It's good for me. It's going to go ahead. It's going to help you out. It's going to make me out. It's going to be really good. Okay? Man had a radio. Bada bing, bada boom. Just do it, huh? <laughs> <laughs>